the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, horses free. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If this is the first time you heard the show, please welcome. Hope you like what you hear. Now, part of the show, or the first part of the show, we're talking about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going to court, avoiding probate. And that's very important in today's world to avoid going through court because the courts are not fully open. The second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion, and But we're, we're going to start right now with estate planning. As you know, if you listen to the show, we usually have one segment with one of our lawyers here at the office, and today we're welcoming Dan Vera to the show. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Okay, Dan. Now, as, you, as you're seeing people, there are a couple of questions that always come up. Can you, can you please ask those questions now, and we'll try to answer them for the benefit of the audience? Sure, absolutely. The first one that we have is from uh, Angela in Staten Island. And Angela asks, my husband and I have been married for over 20 years. My accountant told us that we should look into getting a power of attorney for each other. I thought the spouses could make legal and financial decisions for each other and that, and that they did not need a power of attorney. Is that not the case? Thank you. Well, in this case, Angela, your accountant is 100% right. Any couple, assuming you trust each other, and of course, I know in today's world, that could be a big assumption, but any couple who trust, trusts each other, trusts uh, the spouse wants to protect the spouse in case they get sick, wants to be protected in case the spouse gets sick, should think about a power of attorney. There is no automatic right in New York to sign each other's names. You can be married 40 years. That doesn't give the husband a right to sign his wife's name and vice versa. So a power of attorney allows, usually for financial business matters, allows the other spouse to sign the name. And of course, at the same time, I would say this. If you have a son or daughter you implicitly trust, think about putting them on the power of attorney because in some cases you have a husband and wife and they both get elderly together or something happens to one and the other one is in, in effect alone. So if you're doing a power of attorney, if you have a son or daughter you implicitly trust, I strongly recommend you think about putting that son or daughter on, on the power of attorney. But, you know, somebody may say, well, you know, uh, all my bank accounts are joint with my spouse, so why do I need a power of attorney? She can access the accounts, I can access the accounts. Well, that's true, but other things can happen. Let's say for the sake of argument, you own a house. 
Husband's going to a nursing home. The house is joint, husband and wife. Husband's going to a nursing home. Wife wants to protect that house from those medical bills, those nursing home bills. So if the wife wants to switch the deed of the house from husband and wife to wife, or maybe to a trust, the wife cannot do that without her husband's signature. Again, as I mentioned, there is no automatic right in New York to sign each other's name. So with the power of attorney, she can switch the deed over from husband and wife to wife. Wife can then sign what we call a spouse or refusal in New York, and the husband's eligible for Medicaid to pay for his nursing home bills. Now, it's a little bit harder than the way I just summarized it, but that is the result. Husband gets sick, has to go to a nursing home. They have a house together. Husband's not mentally competent to sign his or her own name. Wife can then sign the power, with the power of attorney, switch the deed over from husband and wife to wife, protect those houses from medical bills. And yes, if you have bank accounts, yes, both of you can go to the bank. Either one, either or can go to the bank. And that's not a problem in and of itself. But other things can happen. Sometimes if you own stocks, let's say you have a, a stock certificate to a co-op, you need both members of the couple to sign that stock certificate over to switch the ownership. You can't just do it with one. Um, sometimes you have just stocks, IBM, AT&T, whatever. You have stock certificates. You want to switch them over from husband and wife to wife. You can't do that without a power of attorney, assuming the person is not mentally competent to sign his or her name. Now, if you want to put restrictions on the power of attorney, you can certainly do that. Now, I mean, be careful what you ask for, but you could put in a power of attorney that you don't want it to be used. It can't be used unless a medical doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, uh, puts in writing that you're not able to handle your affairs in a competent manner. That can be done, put that in there, especially maybe if you're dealing with a nephew or niece or son or daughter. Um, but, uh, you know, and here's one thing about the power of attorney. If you give a power of attorney to someone, Make sure you trust them. Yeah, we can put some conditions in there. But, you know, if you give a power of attorney to the wrong person, you know, they could wipe you out. They could steal you blind. So you do have to be careful. But if you're married and you trust your spouse and you want to protect your spouse in case you become ill and you want to be protected in case your spouse becomes ill and has to go to a nursing home, I strongly recommend you have a power of attorney. And, again, if you have a son or daughter you implicitly trust, um, put them on the power of attorney. Now, what happens if you're in one of these crisis situations and you don't have a power of attorney? Well, then, you know, husband and wife, let's say the husband has a stroke. Wife has to maybe go get a guardianship proceeding going. And the courts are slow, especially right now. And in some cases, you know, let's say the average cost of a nursing home is $15,000 a month. And if we can switch the assets from husband and wife to wife, wife can sign a spouse refusal and doesn't have to pay any of the nursing home bills. But let's say we have to go to court to get court permission. It could easily take a year to get court permission to transfer the assets from husband and wife to wife. $15,000 times 12, $180,000 it could cost you if you don't have a power of attorney. I can't stress this enough. There is no automatic right in New York to sign each other's name. That's why your accountant recommended a power of attorney. Your accountant is right. And I just want to throw out this, you know, the standard form, you're going to get off the Internet, the standard form you're going to get uh, from a bank. Those forms are not good enough. They don't cover everything. So if you want to protect yourself, you want to protect your family, get a power of attorney. If you want to talk to us about getting a power of attorney done, we can do that. Again, everybody who's almost everybody really should have a power of attorney. 
whether we have restrictions. But if you're married, you definitely should have a power of attorney. And again, when I say everybody, make sure that whoever you put on there, you can trust. If there's nobody you can trust, that's another question, and we got to deal with that from there. Now, Dan, um, let me ask you a few questions. We always like to get into a little background. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Brooklyn, New York. In fact, not not far from uh, from the office in Brooklyn, just a couple of miles away. Yeah. Now we've been talking about Norwegian Norwegian Day, whatever. When when you were a boy, did the Norwegian Day parade go down Eighth Avenue where you live, near where you live? I, I vaguely remember, but yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. My how times have have changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think there are too many Norwegians on Eighth Avenue anymore. Where'd you go to high school? I went to high school, uh, Bishop Ford High School, and then uh, after Bishop Ford, went to Brooklyn College. And law school? Law school, I went to SUNY Buffalo, which is the State University of New York at Buffalo. And uh, while at Buffalo, they had a they had a tax program there. I decided to um, to try it out, and uh, it turns out it consisted of several tax courses, and I. Uh, figured I'd go ahead, and they, each each course that I took, I, li- I liked more than the prior one. So I, I went ahead and I completed the tax program there. And uh, as luck would have it, after that, I found that there was a a, a master's tax program that was offered for uh, for lawyers that uh, the NYU, New York University, was offering. So uh, I went ahead, I applied for that program, and I went ahead and completed a a master's in tax after I got my law degree. You know, a lot of people would be shaking their heads right now. Why would somebody got a ma- want to get a master's <laughs> in tax? And uh, most lawyers are very adverse to tax. You know, I've been uh, I've been asked that question before. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I remember at the time thinking, um, and not just thinking, but seeing that taxes affect all of our lives. You know, there's no escaping it. In one form or another, taxes affect our lives. And so I went ahead and pursued it, and I'm glad I did. I learned a lot. And as we know here from the practice that we have here, um, we help clients with many different types of taxes. Yeah. You know, whether they're estate taxes, trust taxes, uh, personal income taxes, capital gains taxes. So um, I was happy that I did the program. I learned a lot, and it's it's definitely come in handy over the years. Now, one thing I'd like to say, a lot of people ask me, what's going to happen tax-wise? And to be honest with you, we can't we can't make that answer right now. Because there's so many crazy proposals out there, you know, that it, it's mind-boggling and very disturbing and distressing. But hopefully, you know, there'll be a little common sense coming out of Washington in the next year or two. I don't think so, but maybe there'll be a couple of compromises and things won't go totally off the rails. But in the meanwhile, that's one of the reasons you need a PAV attorney in case things do go off the rails and you need to make some changes in your planning and your spouse is not competent. That's another reason you may want to do a power of attorney. Now, Dan, I know you brought in a, another question for the for the listeners today. So what which one is that? Yeah, we, we do have another question. This one is from uh, Carlos in Brooklyn. And Carlos asks, why do I need a will if I have a trust? That is a question that I get asked all the time because people know that if your asset's in a trust, your assets don't go through court. They don't go to probate. They go directly to the heirs. Whereas if you have assets to pass through your will, it goes through court. So some people think, well, if I have a will, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to go through probate, which is not the case. What throws you through probate if there are assets in your name alone when you pass away? And yes, the plan is to not to have any assets in your name alone when you pass away. But sometimes things happen, and sometimes, especially the more assets you have, 
the less likely you are to completely avoid probate, and that's why you need the will. Like, nobody for the most part, and I mean, we've done it in a few extreme cases, but nobody for the most part is going to put your furniture in a trust. Nobody for the most part is going to put your jewelry in a trust. Nobody for the most part is going to put your car, your automobile in a trust. And a lot of times people forget about their checking account. They got three, $4,000 in a checking account, and they say, oh, well, you know, it's only three, $4,000. We don't want to lose that three, $4,000. But at the same time, if we have a will, it's going to make it easier to, to access that three, $4,000 than if we don't. And, and one of the other things, too, occasionally, and, and it's not just that, that occasional, let's say you die in your apartment. The police put up a seal in front of your apartment. You want to remove the seal. It's a lot easier if you have a will with an appointed executor than if you don't, especially if you don't have relatives. And, I mean, I, I can give 100 different examples. A car is one. You know, even if you have, we, we talked on an earlier show about pet trust, but even let's say for the sake of argument, you have a pet. Who owns that pet if you don't have a will? Um, a, a will takes care of the loose ends. It's a backup. We don't want to use the will as our main vehicle to transfer assets after death. We want most of our assets, if not all of our assets, in a trust. But it's not a perfect world, and a lot of times you forget about something. You forget about a checking account, your tax refund. Um, which it's not necessarily forget about. We got checks in the mail. You got refund checks from, um, refund checks from from your med, uh, not Medicare, but Blue Cross Blue Shield, real estate taxes, whatever. Maybe you got a refund check coming. It's a lot easier to collect those assets if you have a will. Everybody should have a will, but the way you plan things out, you want to hope that you don't have to use the will. But again, it's not a perfect world, and to ensure that, we have a will to back it up. Dan, thanks thanks for being on the show this weekend. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every single week, I promise you, Mike Connors is going to be here to answer a real question. And, Mike, this week's question comes from Kimberlin. Uh, she says, Dear Mike, my father died and left his house to me, my brother and sister. Uh, I live in the house, but my brother and sister want to sell it as they want the money. Since I live in the house, do I have any rights toward them not selling the house? Mike Connors, how does that work? Right now it's a mess because, one, your brother and sister can't evict you. Nobody can be evicted anywhere. 
So maybe that gives you an opportunity to make the deal. At the same time, it's really not quite fair to the brother or sister who don't live in the house. The father left the house to the three of them. Why should one just enjoy the house at the expense of the other two? But the problem with the court system right now, you could might get nothing settled for three, four, five years. So your advice would be uh, have a family meeting and straighten it out. Yeah, you know, say, say we'll sell the house in a year or something like that, you know, depending on the circumstances. The father should have taken planning more seriously and and and, and planned for a, a direct chain of, of custody of the house. He could have said that I want my give my son the opportunity to live there for a year, two years, whatever, assuming he pays the expenses. Yes, it could have been written out. You know, people don't always think things out. Well, and that's the thing. You want to plan so that your your plans don't end up leaving your loved ones in these kinds of uh, situations. Friends, if you've got questions and you don't want to end up in the same place that Kimberlin's family is, call the Connors and Sullivan Law Firm today. They are the number one in the tri-state on, on all things related to estate care and elder law. 718-238-6500 is their number. Uh, call for your appointment. They've got five office locations throughout the tri-state very convenient, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, and then be listening for more questions to be answered, not just here on Kevin McCullough Radio, but also Saturday mornings at 6 on AM 570 and FM 102.3, The Mission, and Sunday mornings starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, when I was a boy growing up in Bay Ridge, one of the biggest days in, in Bay Ridge was May 17th, which we used to call it Norwegian Day. And and on Norwegian Day, we had we were pleasure to have the, the Council General of Norway in New York, and we started talking a little bit about the history of, of Norway, and we referred to our next guest. Welcome to Connors Corners, Anvik. Thank you. Okay, now can you tell us who you are and and where are you today? I am in Oslo, the capital of Norway, and I'm a 46 year old teacher, and I work at a school in Oslo. Okay, now you know, like I said, we're, we're trying to ask some questions about Norwegian history. Now, May 17th, 1814 is Norwegian Constitution Day, but Norway was a country well before that day. Can you, when, when did Norway first become a nation? Uh, we think uh, it was around the 1890s when um, 
Haro uh, with the fair hair. Yes. He unified the nation. But, of course, it took generations before they were uh, a unified nation. But that was a significant moment in our history. Okay, so you're talking roughly about 1,100 years ago. Yeah, but then uh, uh, there was a long period where we were under Denmark. So we we quite a young nation, in fact. So uh, being an independent country, that has been from the 1814 and, and later on. Okay, so basically when we go down to, to Harold, that was the time of the Vikings. Yes. And uh, um, Go ahead. No, um, it was uh, a time with lots of kings, and there were many kings around the country, and then he decided that uh, I want to be uh, to rule uh, the entire country and have the kingdom as my country, so I will not cut my hair until the country is mine. <laughs> I didn't know that one. Okay. So... Now, you know, again, where where was Viking exploration and colonization and, I guess, pillaging and looting also? Where did the Vikings travel to from Norway, Denmark, and Sweden? Uh, they tra- traveled both east and west. They would travel uh, to the... Um, the British Isles, as we know them now, and to to Constantinople, to Russia, and uh, Leif Eriksson, he would travel uh, all the way um, to where you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know that, you know, my grandparents are from Newfoundland, so I know there were uh, Viking mm. artifacts mm. in Newfoundland, or they found uh, uh, Viking artifacts in Newfoundland. So mm. that that was how many years ago, roughly, that the Vikings traveled to Newfoundland? Oh, um, um, it would be around uh, 900 years, uh, yeah, around that. I, I wouldn't say for sure, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, they didn't leave a lot of records or whatever. But, no. how, I mean, sometimes, you know, when people do DNA now, they find out that they have a lot of Scandinavian blood or yeah. a little bit of Scandinavian blood. And again, you find out that it's in Russia, that it's in uh, Constantinople, Istanbul, um England, Ireland, Wales. How how many countries did the Vikings affect back back then around 900 AD, 1000 AD? Oh, it would be difficult to to say a number, but it was the European continent. It would be quite far east. Uh, so they they traveled uh, with their, their excellent ships. They could travel really far. But we haven't any records of them from far, uh, from the Far East, as far as um, I know. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Eventually, Norway becomes a Christian country. How did that happen? Mm. That also took, uh, took place over generations, and it was also very closely connected to the unification of the nation. It was quite convenient that uh, for, for a king to both be... Uh, the political uh, ruler and have the power of uh, of the church as well. But um, we you say that there were three kings who could be considered the uh, kings that changed Norway from um, a, a nation that would sacrifice the old Norse gods and into uh, becoming a Christian country. 
But of course, to begin with, they were threatening and torturing people who said they didn't want to be baptized. And then later on, it would they would change their practice. But to begin with, it was more of uh, just saying yes to the king who demanded you to become a Christian. So how long a process did it take? Who, who, who were the first missionaries, or how did Christianity first get introduced to the to Scandinavia, Norway in particular? Uh, well, there was one king who is uh, now known as Håkon the Good King, and he was raised and educated in England. So he he brought the Christian faith back to Norway, but then people were a bit reluctant, and they they wanted to do as they were used to and sacrifice to the Norse gods. And then there was another king called Olav Tryggvason, who was um, who would also keep on trying to to get people to turn to Christianity. But it was with Olav Haraldsson it um, changed more drastically. And then there was a famous battle in 1030 where he died. Uh, and then later on, he there were happening strange things around his body. People got healed when they touched the body. His hair and nails would grow, and then he would, would become a saint. And that also changed uh, people's uh, attitude to Christianity. Okay, now uh, let me ask you something. How did how did the relationships change? Once the Vikings became Christianized, did they still do their raids? Were they still warlike? Um, yes, with the with this, uh, the three kings I mentioned, they would yeah. still raid and go on. So it it wasn't like they changed from uh, brutal Vikings to uh, very uh, <laughs> that they would sit still and pray. So it, it took a long time. Okay, now they would, uh, and yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, but you know, like, okay, so the Norwegians here in Bay Ridge used to s celebrate May 17th, and that was based from 1814, I believe, was Constitution Day. What happened yeah. in 1814 that Norwegians well, today celebrate? Well, well Norway um, made their own uh, constitution, and they declared themselves as an independent country and elected a king. But then uh, Norway uh, was under Denmark, and uh, Denmark was on the losing side in the Napoleonic Wars. And then in the Peace Treaty of Kiel, it was decided that Norway should just be handed over to Sweden. So, um, And the Danish representative king in Norway, he refused to accept that. So he gathered uh, some men, and they uh, formed this uh, constitution and signed it on May 17th. So you may want to just go back in time. So the Napoleonic Wars, where were Denmark, Norway, Sweden, where were they involved in the in Napoleonic Wars? Well, uh, Denmark sided with Napoleon, and the Swedes, uh, they did not. Okay. Uh, so, then, yeah. so then after the wars when Napoleon lost, then Denmark also lost. Yeah, Denmark lost, and then... Uh, as they had to pay a price, and that was giving up Norway. Okay. And the Swedish king he had been uh, trying to um, get Norway for a while, and he 
he had planned it when he saw that hmm, maybe there's a chance for me. All right, let's go a little bit, you know, 100 years, 150 years forward into history. World War II was very difficult for Norway. Can you tell the audience what happened, you know, as far as well, the German uh, occupation? Yeah, and- yeah. it was uh, um, uh, in April 1940, the Germans, they, um, they invaded Norway. And then uh, the king and his family and the government, they, they fled and they... Um, uh, they, the Germans tried to bomb them, and uh, eventually they managed to to escape uh, from Norway. But before that, it, their king he refused to accept they uh, accept that they should take over Norway. They they demanded it, but he he refused. So he had to he had to leave the country. So he was an exile king from uh, from England and. Uh, the crown princes and the uh, and the children of the crown princes and crown princes they were in uh, in the US so they were um so the crown prince and the king they were in london uh, at buckingham palace and then the crown princes and the children in US let me ask you then who ruled norway during this time period uh, there was um a nazi government and he was, and the prime minister, he was called Wittgenkristling. And he cooperated with the Germans, but Norway never uh, accepted the, the British, no, the, the, the German uh, occupants. And when was Norway was, liberated? Uh, uh, that was uh, in May 1945. Okay, so since, and I, I mean, I know it's, you know, about 70 years ago, but um, what, what's what been the the government of Norway since World War II? Oh, we had um, um, a long range of uh, uh, prime ministers uh, representing the Labour Party, and uh, they introduced a social democracy into the Norwegian uh, structure of society. Now, right now, and I, I know this may not be your area, but is Norway open for tourism, or are you guys kind of closed down because of COVID? Yeah, we kind of closed down, but it's getting easy. And there was a press conference today where they said that we will move to this uh, green zone, so things will be easier. But I, um, I'm not sure if they would open up for, for tourists to, to, to cross the border, because the border's... Uh, border has been closed for a long time now. So let's say, even for the sake of argument, if you if you want to cross over into Sweden, how difficult it is to do that? Let's say today with COVID. Oh, we we can do that, but we have to go into a, a quarantine hotel and pay it, pay the bill ourselves, and it would be, you have to stay there for ten days, both when you enter into Sweden and when you return to Norway. So that's really difficult. All right, and listen, thank you for sharing your history again. We just had May 17th last week. Thank you for sharing your history about Norway. And, you know, listen, some of us here, if you know Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, a lot of us have very fond memories of May 17th and Norwegian Day and the Norwegian Day parade that used to go down Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. 
But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they're our cousins, sisters, they're our roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. This year, you know, it's an election year. I mean, yeah, we're not running for governor, we're not running for president, but there are people, there are important races throughout New York City, city council races, let alone the race for mayor. And with, with us right now, we have two guests, Fran Marone from the New York State Conservative Party, and Brian Fox, candidate for the city council in the neighborhood where I live in Bay Ridge. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great, great to be here. Now, Fran, you and I live in the same neighborhood pretty much. Uh, we got a city councilman out here. What's wrong with him? Well, basically, the city councilman we have is absent. He doesn't represent the community. The quality of life since he's been elected has gone down. Taxes are up. Crime's up. But our quality of life is really decreased. And we need somebody in, in that position that can help save our community and save the city. We need somebody that's going to be present and do the job. Okay, which is our other guest right here, Brian Fox. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Okay, now, Fran, why did you guys decide to endorse Brian? Brian has the qualities and the qualifications to be a city councilman and represent the community well. He believes that we need to improve the quality of life. He's a big supporter of the NYPD. He wants to drive down crime. He wants to lessen the burden on our small businesses and the people that live in the community. And that's the kind of person that we need in the city council. And that's something so that's the kind of person that the conservative party wants in the city council. Okay, well, Brian, let me ask you this question. Why did you decide to run for city council? I mean, who wants to get involved in politics in today's world? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Very good question. So I think that uh, being a small business owner myself, I um, I actually have a um, IT staffing firm that I run run out of the house right now. I've been in business for um, quite a, quite a while, uh, but I think that over the time of just living in Bay Ridge, uh, I've seen uh, an unfortunate uh, turnaround with 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 several points. I think crime has risen over the last. You know, if you even give it a span of between seven to ten years, I think that crime has gone significantly up. Uh, vandalism, graffiti, um, the quality of life has gone down. And uh, as a concerned uh, neighbor uh, and 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 business owner, um, I decided to um, you know put my hat in the ring and 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 run to hopefully make a change and an impact locally uh, in the community. Now, I mean, right now it seems like New York City. Uh, you're talking about inmates running the asylum. I mean, if that doesn't fit right now, I don't know when it will. But, you know, has has the, the – I'm say his name, Justin Brown, and he's done anything as far as speak out against bail, the bail reform that's letting criminals commit a felony, a violent felony, and get released in a few hours. I don't think he's he's done anything to address that. And frankly, I mean, I, I do give credit where credit is due. And unfortunately, in this case, there really is none to give. Um, I don't think that he's done anything to address uh, the uptake in crime. Uh, I don't think he's done anything to address uh, the situation with, with bail reform and, qualifi- and the uh, qualified immunity situation. Um, we, we see so many, uh, for instances, whether they're protests or whether they're just, you know, general crime, um, you'll see that uh, police are a lot less willing nowadays uh, to make necessary arrests due to uh, the fear of being being held personally liable uh, in several cases, whether it's a necessary arrest or, you know, whatever the particular situation is. Um, So to answer your question, I think he has done um, very, very little, if not anything at all, to address the uptick in crime. If I may, may add to that, not only has he done very, very little, but he's done harm. He's actually supported defunding the police. He voted for that in the city council. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and that's that's a, a major issue for me. I mean, being that I, I backed the blue, I vigorously backed the blue and, and the police department, local law enforcement, corrections, um, I, that, that's going to be part of my platform from here until Election Day uh, and moving forward beyond that. Um, he has advocated for um, not just the dismantling of the NYPD, but also wants to introduce uh, unarmed caseworkers to show up to potentially violent situations. So uh, it's gone a step further of not even just defunding the police, but also supporting uh, non-armed individuals going into potentially violent situations, which I don't know what world he's living in, uh, but I know that in my ideology does not work. All right. Now, Fran, has Justin Brannon done anything to help the business owners in Bay Ridge or wherever? I mean, I don't I don't know of anything. Maybe he can tell us. Um, I don't know of anything that he's done to help the uh, business owners in Bay Ridge or any part of his district. Um, the policies that he's voted for in the city council have done nothing but damage the uh, environment for businesses in the community. So I, I don't see that he's done anything good. Um, I think that everything that he's done, all the votes that he's taken have been detrimental to people, not only to business owners, but the people that live in the community as well. Well, let me ask you something. The plight of the landlords right now. I mean, landlords can't evict anybody. There's a moratorium. They're in some cases, you know, so so somebody's not paying rent, they can't do anything about it. They got to let the tenant sit there. But at the same time, their real estate taxes went up, and I think that's unconscionable. Everybody is getting government handouts, but the landlords and homeowners, your real estate taxes are going up. 
Meanwhile, all everything else, all the other expenses, everybody else is getting a handout except the landlords. That's true. And if I can add to that, the whole idea behind the property taxes in New York City have been a problem, especially for our community in Bay Ridge. We pay higher property tax than in other neighborhoods such as Park Slope. Uh, it's unequitable. And he promised, he promised, Justin Brandon promised that he would help fix the situation, that he was going to do something about it. He has done nothing about it. Brian, what you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Fran. I mean, it's it's something that he hasn't addressed, and I think that that's that's. I mean, being you know homeowners in in the local community is something that um, there needs to be a plan put in place that's uh, feasible, that's plausible, and that's something that we we plan on putting together um, once elected. Okay, now just quality of life, Brian. What what do you have to say about quality of life in the Bay Ridge Diker Heights area? Sure. Uh, it could definitely improve. I mean, I think that whether you're uh, renters, whether you're a homeowner, um, anyone living within the district uh, deserves uh, a great quality of life, right? So well, going back to what I was mentioning before in terms of the uh, not just the uptick in crime, but also when it comes to um, the lack of um, trash pickup on the corners, uh, the the trash that has been kind of built up and accumulated, not just on the corners, but also just in the streets in general. You have a lot of stores on Fourth Avenue that have now unfortunately closed down due to COVID, and and what comes with that is a lot of uh, trash and a lot of things that that wind up you know spilling onto the street that also hasn't been addressed. Uh, that's a, a top priority for me is to uh, is to bring back the quality of life. Uh, and to work with uh, the Department of, of Sanitation on a regular basis to ensure that there is more than enough trash receptacles in each corner and address the issues on all the major avenues and within the community. Now, do you think there's anything we can do about it? 86th Street right now, you know, obviously just a couple of years ago, 86th Street, you, you, you couldn't even walk down 86th Street, certainly couldn't park on 86th Street in, in Bay Ridge, and, and now it's a ghost town. I can't even name, obviously Century 21 went out, uh, Models is gone. I mean, that was even pre-COVID. But is there anything that you can do in the city council? Is there anything we can do to to try to bring the neighborhood back? Yeah, I think that um, you know, it's it's one might not think it, but I think that you know, going back to the support of the local police and 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 law enforcement. Uh, in my opinion, being a small business owner myself, businesses will not come back to an area that they know that there is an uptick in crime. Uh, and an uptick in um, vandalism, graffiti. Um, businesses will, will not want to move in. Uh, so I think that um, with our current situation, uh, with our current council member, Brandon, uh, for his lack of support and no support for the NYPD, the wanting to defund the police within the local area, um, I think that you, you know, we ultimately need someone that um, is willing to take the necessary steps to bring the businesses back. And I think that largely it does fundamentally start with the support of law enforcement and, and ensuring that uh, the streets are safe or community is safe. Uh, that way, you know, again, I mean, I, I, I remember the foot traffic uh, that you were mentioning just before. I remember that um, it was almost impossible to park. Um, you know, you, you could go, you could get ran over very easily on Fourth Avenue, whether you're, you know, making a turn or whatever. But uh, we want to see that level of activity back in Fourth Avenue. And, and unfortunately, it's not going to happen unless we have a candidate in, in office that is going to back the local police, back the local law enforcement and ensure that not just everyone in our community is safe, but also the business owners are safe. Not just specifically you, but what can a city council, what can a Betty's city council representative do? 
Yeah, I think that um, so going again, if, in my opinion, it's 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 very, very um, what I'm looking to bring to the table and what what someone should do is very fundamental. Right. So I think that, again, it starts with law enforcement. Right. That, and again, you'll hear me say that a lot, but I think that it includes the support of local law enforcement. Uh, I think that from a small business perspective, um, you know, working with some of the you know mom and pop shops that are still here that I that I love, right? So I mean, some of these individuals they don't have the type of outreach perhaps online. Um, I know that you know coming from you know my small business and what I do, um, we actually you know help uh, a lot of these small businesses with e-commerce platforms and working with Third Avenue Merchants Association uh, and other avenues like that where we can help bolster their presence direct to consumers. So I think helping the small businesses vital uh to the community um and then also i think that our, our seniors um and senior citizens in the area don't have uh, and it's an area that he hasn't really addressed but i think that they don't have enough to do or or um you know they don't have the means to go outside to the parks and the restaurants uh, i know that there are some local centers that are existing right now so i'd look to bolster those uh, on top of creating some additional um you know uh, venues um and 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 centers that they could attend to uh getting your seniors uh, back into um, you know, out and about, you know, even with the new vaccines coming out, uh, they do want to, you know, get out of the house and see their friends just like everyone else. So I'd look to, um, you know, create more opportunity for our seniors as well. Um, and that's, I think that's going to be a big part of just getting and, you know, phasing back into a normal uh, day-to-day life. Well, Brian, if somebody wanted to learn more about your campaign or they wanted to learn more about you, how would they do that? Sure. Uh, you could actually go to my website, which is Brian Fox, the number four NYC.com. Uh, there you'll see a bit of a, a breakdown of myself. Uh, you'll actually have an opportunity to donate to the campaign on the, uh, the, the homepage on the right hand side. I also see, I'd like to note some of the endorsements as well. Um, that that's also listed there. I know that, um, We've recently been endorsed by the Detectives Endowment Association, which represents over 20,000 law enforcement uh, individuals, both retired and on the force. Uh, Marty Golden has been a huge support uh, of mine for the campaign, uh, obviously backed by uh, the uh, uh, Conservative Party with Fran uh, Villamarone, uh, Brooklyn GOP, as well as the Brooklyn Tea Party. So those are just some of the endorsements that we have right now. Um, we are, and again, that's listed on the website. We're, we're anticipating some, some additional uh, endorsements, but um, that's the website. You'll also be able to uh, look me up on um, Instagram, uh, which is Brian Fox. That's F-O-R-N-Y-C instead of the number four. Uh, and you uh, will be able to look me up uh, on uh, Twitter as well. Okay, now Fran is chairperson of the Brooklyn Conservative Party. Where can somebody find out more about the Conservative Party? Sure. We have a website at brooklynconservativeparty.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we're available uh, to the public out there on social media and on our website. Uh, All of our information is on there, um, and we'd be happy to have people get in contact with us, and get involved. You haven't been shut down on Facebook or Twitter? Not so far. All right. <laughs> I mean, for, for those of you out there, I was shut down one time on Facebook. Well, actually, the not the Brooklyn Party, but the New York State Conservative Party had been locked out of uh, uh, Twitter a couple of times. So they yeah. are, they are, it has happened. Well, I don't Twitter, but one time we were shut down because we had an interview with Steve Forbes. And obviously, Steve Forbes is the most amiable, quiet-spoken person that you can ever, you know, talk to. But we were talking about toy soldiers, so we're talking about the military, and we're talking about tax cuts. So I guess somebody found that offensive. 
If I can just add one thing, um, I'd just like to say that this is a very important election for our city. We are really at a crossroads right now. We need to save our city. And the way to do that is select people like Brian Fox to the city council and to elect others to the city council and a new mayor that's going to be responsive to the people of the city of New York. Change starts in small steps. Guys, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, and for the first time in a while, my wife, Beth. Oh, hello, everybody. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Now, you know, over the last few weeks, we haven't spent as much time as usual on estate planning, and people have been asking me, when are you going to do seminars again? Well, we have the schedule of the seminar, the places are booked, and we're ready to go the end of July. Hooray! On Tuesday, July 27th, we're going to be in Marine Park at Buckley's. 2929, 2926 Avenue S, Nostrand Avenue and Avenue S. We're going to be in Ramirez Park, 11 o'clock, 3 p.m., 7 p.m. On Wednesday, July 28th, we're going to be at Connolly's. Now, the 11 o'clock session is going to be videotaped. In other words, you're going to see a videotaped answer. I'll be there at the end to answer questions live. Then we're going to do one at 3 p.m. live. I'll be there in person, 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. live at Connolly's Corner on 7117 Grand Avenue in Massbeth, Queens. On Thursday, July 29th, we're going to be at the Bay Ridge Manor at 476 76th Street. 11 o'clock live, 3 p.m. taped, 7 p.m. live. That's at the Bay Ridge Manor at 476 76th Street. And then Friday, July 30th, we're going to be at the Adria, the Adria Hotel in Bayside, 221-17 Northern Boulevard. They're both going to be live 11 o'clock, 3 p.m. Now, if you have any questions about the the seminars, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Now, we, you know, there's no strict attendance forms or anything, but we do like to know how many people are coming. So if you intend to come, if you're going to come with family or friends, please let us know ahead of time so we can have the seating properly distanced, safely arranged. Give us a call again at 718-238-6500. And the idea behind the seminars is to give you information so that you can make the decisions 
you know, in your estate plan, I'm, the idea about estate planning, we start every show with that. The idea behind estate planning is usually to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. Avoiding going through court, that's avoiding going through probate. And today, you don't want to go through probate because the courts are not completely opened. It's very important to avoid going through court. And we'll tell you how to do that, how to avoid probate. And you don't want to have a guardianship proceeding if you can avoid it. And that's one of the things we'll also talk about, which is court when you're alive. And then one of our biggest issues, one thing, one point that most people have questions about, you know, how do I save my assets from a nursing home? How do I save my house from a nursing home? And we're going to be talking about that in depth. And at the end of the seminar, we give you an opportunity. You can ask any question you want. We don't put a limit on it. Sometimes we break off at the end to answer the questions some people so some people can gracefully go home and but we'll still answer all your questions as long as it takes if we need to stay an hour there to answer the questions we'll do it so if you want to hear me speak in person or on videotape give us a call at 718-238-6500 238-6500 till then you know if if you want to get if you want to see the videotape in person michael how do they do that yeah, if you if you want to catch in in the meantime our taped video seminar, go to youtube.com and search Connors and Sullivan video seminar. It should be the first result that pops up. You'll see Dad right there. And it, again, it's Connors and Sullivan video seminar. All right, again, thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. Hopefully we'll be back next week on the same times and stations. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We are gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. We are gathered, we are gathered here on hallowed ground, the voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.